you there. You already got your first lesson already. It doesn't matter how small you are, what your age is. We all got something we can do to worship the Lord. So... I guess I was hungry when I wrote this message today. I got a lot of food analogies in here. And sometimes it's difficult to, I try to always give a, a now and then real life application when I'm bringing God's word to something we all can relate to. And, and uh, so that's how we came up with so much food analogies today, I guess. This is kind of a, gonna be a transitional message where Leaving the, we've been talking the last couple weeks about salvation and talking about how we influence people and how people influence us and um, kind of going to leave that mode and yet not fully leave that mode. We're going into the kind of the next level on what salvation brings even more. And uh, I'm excited about that. You know, sometimes God gives me so much to work with, I'm trying to jot down notes and put messages together and you know like well i'm waiting for the next I'm waiting for the next one because every one seems like it's you know a little bit better but we have to go through all these little steps and everything we got that god's got for us is good so we're going to not going to leave nothing out so uh i guess we'll call this one the secret of salvation three and for those of you who's keeping up with the, the podcast and different things like that so that's what it'll be titled when it goes out today all right now let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to hear your word today, Father, to see what you have for us. Let us open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord. Just take myself out of the way, Father, and just let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, Paul had a corn dog. That's a, a funny, funny kind of food. It's a deep-fried cornmeal wrapped around a hot dog. And to top it all off, they stick it on a stick. You know, it's three things that don't really seem like they should go together. But yet, we had a little ketchup and mustard, and you got a pretty good snack there. And can you imagine that when people were standing around, and they decided they were going to try a chicken egg for the first time? Now, somebody had to do that. They had to say, wow, we're going we're gonna to try this. We're going to eat it. And once they did, breakfast was never the same again. It's the staple in, in so many homes and the basis of so many things. You know, we have them in baked goods, cakes, brownies. So uh, we take a thing like a, like a, a soup or a stew. You know, we can put in carrots and potatoes. We can... Add some water, maybe a little bit of love. And we can have a meal. But yet without certain seasonings, it could be a little bland. It'll do the job. It'll, it'll fill you up. But what if we add some peppers and some onions, some seasonings? Not only do we have a meal, not only are we getting our stomach filled, but we're having something we can truly enjoy. It's flavorful. It's good. It's something we look forward to. Now, the, the Word of God is a buffet. 
And uh, it's funny because my wife was pointing me out something the other day to me. Someone was, was actually speaking on this, and I had no idea. And they were going in the opposite direction with it, that, no, it's not. So you may agree with me or you may not, but I say the Word of God is a buffet. Because there's so much of it. There is something for everybody. But the thing is, we need to sample all of it. I like a good buffet. Because there's so many different things that we can try. And you know, when, you, when I go to one for the first time, I like to take just a little bit of, of everything that looks good to me. So I can just try it. And then maybe the next go around, I want more of something else. But you've got to sample everything a little bit first. In the... In the culture we live in today, a lot of times we're trying to cut something out. We want to take something out of our diets. Like uh, we want to cut out meat. We want to cut out animal products altogether. We want to cut out carbohydrates. We want to take out the preservatives. Or we want to cut out processed food. Even though that God tells us that we are to partake of all these things, that there's no restrictions, that we can eat of all of it. Even when the, the law came and they had all these food restrictions, once Jesus came, he said, no more. Everything is free to eat of. There's no more clean and unclean. Everything we can to partake of. And you know, there's, there's something to that because when we cut something out of our, our diet, we have to do something to replace it. We have to take a supplement. Or we have to take in a whole lot more of something else to be able to compensate for what's missing, for what's missing from the whole. We can't extremely do something and stay healthy. I'm guilty of it myself because uh, I cut out carbs and sugar for a while. I was trying to lose some weight, trying to get healthier, trying to get my blood pressure and blood sugar and different things under control. And for the first couple weeks, it was rough because I was used to having all these things. It was a big change. And then what happened is I started to feel better. I started to exercise. The weight came off. I started to feel better. And then something else happened. As my physical activity increased, my demand for energy also increased. So I was not getting the energy from what I was taking in. So I started to feel bad again. I felt the void of not having the carbs. There has to be a balance. So we look at the, the Word of God, the book of the Bible, and we see a, a whole buffet. But with it, we need to have a sample of all of it. Because everything in it is important. And everything in it is needed for our well-being. 
And many times we want to just pick and choose. But we miss out if we don't bite into all of it. I've had Chinese food, they have these little things called a, a crab ragoon. And it's a crunchy little shell. And if you look at it, you're going to see, well, it looks like a crunchy little shell. We affect a, a, a crunch, a chip flavor. But if you ever bit into it inside, there's a nice little surprise. There's, um, don't ask me how, what it's made out of, but it's a, a nice little substance, kind of a, a, a sweet taste to it. And it's, it's really good. But the thing is, if you never bit into it, you'd never know about that soft, sweet center. We've been talking about big picture, and that's part of taking in the big picture is experiencing everything that the Word of God has to offer. So many times we look at food and say, well, that smells good, that looks good, but maybe... When we put it in our mouths, not so much. And there's been things that look quite simply not so appetizing, may not smell so great, but when you take a bite of it, the flavor is just so wonderful. Second Timothy chapter two, verse fourteen. Of these things of them put into remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about the words of the prophet, but to subverting of the hearers. Study to shrew thyself, approve unto God and womankind, a workman that is indeed to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun the profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Not everyone can, not everyone should, and not everyone is called to preach. Preaching has some great moments, and it has a lot more challenging ones. But like uh, I said earlier this morning, we all have things we can do to praise God, to share the good news. And we all have a duty to share that good news of Jesus Christ. We have a duty to share the word. So now, when we're talking about the big picture, and we're doing in that mindset, what exactly does that mean? Okay, so we spent the last two weeks talking about human behavior. Convincing people to think the way we think. That our way is the best way of thinking, so how do we go about doing that? And should we go about doing that? We've also been talking about salvation. And we're so passionate about salvation. And we want people to believe in salvation. We want people to think the way we do because we're concerned about where they're going to wind up at. Because deep down, nobody wants to see anybody go to hell. So what happens is we get a whiff of sin in someone's life and we're all going to do it because we all are sinners. We all have something. There's always something to point out. And we see that and we jump to the conclusion, oh, 
They're a sinner. They're not saved, and they need salvation. And they got. I got to convince them. I got to turn them around. I got to do it. It's got to change right now. We start to condemn them. We point out their sin. You're wrong. You've got to change. You've got to do something different. We do it and hope we can save their soul. Now let's say I took a, a rotten egg and I pulled it out of this cabinet here and I've been saving it up here for a few weeks. It's been sitting out in the hot floor of the sun. And I just lobbed it out there in the middle of the aisle and it busts open. That's going to get you all's attention pretty quick because we're going to, the, the nice, cool, fresh air that you're breathing in right now is going to change. And the only thing you're going to be able to concentrate on is that foul smell from that egg. Because it's vastly different from what you're smelling now. Now, if I came in early this morning and I'd went around this room and I took a whole dozen eggs and cracked them and put them in different places in this building. If I could have got you to come in and stay. And you would have started to build up a tolerance to it. That would have been what you were used to. So then when I took another egg and threw it out in the middle of the, of the hallway, it wouldn't have changed anything. Because that's what you're already smelling. That's what you're already used to. And this is the example of sin in our lives. We are all sinners. We live in a world of sin. We all sin. It's in us. It's part of us. So how is it that we can smell out the sin of others when all we can smell is sin? That's why God tells us not to judge. Matthew 7 and 1. Judge not. That ye be not judged. For with that judgment be judged, and thou shalt be judged. With that measure of emit, it shall measure it to you. And why behold thy mote that's in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that's in not thy own eye? Or how will I say to thy brother, Let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold the beam that's in my own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt clearly cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not which is unholy unto the dogs, and neither cast pearls before swines, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and render you. We do not have a good understanding of sin. And this is why we should not, cannot, and God tells us not to judge. We are not capable of doing it. We are all sinners. No, there is none righteous. No, not one. James 2 and 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offer it in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit adultery, and yet thou kill, thou art a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and do so, as they shall be judged for the law of the liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, and he shall show mercy, and mercy shall replenish against judgment. We see things 
in levels. If you were to walk into a school and take a pencil off a desk and walk out with it and you steal that pencil, we don't really see that thing as a big deal. But yet, on the other hand, if we were to walk into that same school and take out one of the students and steal that, that's a big deal. Because we're looking at the consequences of this lifetime. We're looking how man sees things and how man deals with things. Because the consequences of each one of these actions is very different. And yes, there is consequences in both this lifetime and the next. But sin is sin. And the thing is, you taking that pencil, that sin will send you to hell just as quickly as taking a life. Sin is sin. And no matter how good that you think you are, no matter what level you put yourself on, you're still a sinner. And on the flip side of that, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, you are not too far gone to be saved. I believe there's going to be some surprise people. When they uh, get up to heaven, you know, we all have pictures of these pearly gates. We walk through them pearly gates and all the people's Standing out there seeing the new arrivals and you look out amongst the crowd. You're going to be some people surprised to see the who's there. Whoa, how did you ever get in? And there's also going to be some folks that you think might be there that's going to be missing. Because not every pastor is going to make it. Not every Sunday school teacher is going to make it. And not even every little old grandmother that lives down the street that comes to church every Sunday. There's going to be a few of them that's not going to go either. And you know what? There's going to be murderers. There's going to be thieves. There's going to be harlots. There's going to be homosexuals. There's going to be all these sinful people that will somehow or another find their way past them pearly gates. People say, look at me, I'm righteous. Look at me, I'm good. And look at all the things that I have done. And they don't think that because they've did all these things, they have such a high opinion on themselves that they shouldn't have to share heaven with these less thans in their minds. And if that's your attitude today, if that's the way you're thinking, you might want to check your heart. Because that's not what heaven's about. That's not what salvation is about. That is not what the love of God is about. It's about forgiveness. Now granted, your good deeds are not going to go unnoticed if, and I say if, they're done with the right heart. If you're doing it for the the look at me, if you're doing it for the praise of man, if if you're doing it to pad your resume, if you're doing it to have lots of things to tell others about, then... You've gotten your reward. But if you're doing it because you have a true heart for God, if you have a heart for humanity, if you truly want to help others, if you truly 
want to good do deeds. These are the things that God is keeping record of. And these are the things that will be rewarded. We've been talking about our influence over other people. And no matter how bad, no matter how hard we try, if we want our spouse to act a certain way, there is nothing we can do in our power to make that happen. They are a free-willed individual. They have their own mind. And they have their own way of doing things. Our children, no matter how we raise them, no matter how we want them to do, what we want them to become, we cannot control that outcome. We can influence it. We can do our very best. But we can, in the end, not make them do what we want them to do. And with people, we want them to be saved. And we want them to be healthy, happy, prosperous. We want all these things for the people in our lives. But we cannot overturn the free will that they have. We cannot change their ways. Even God cannot make you cannot make you love him back. We have to choose that. God loves us unconditionally, but we do not have to love him back. It is our choice. There is nothing we can say or do. We have to choose to submit. We submit to God. We submit to our spouse. Children submit to their parents. We have to make them choices to submit. I'm wanting us to think differently. Many times I've said, you know, God, why would you want me to be doing this? Why do you want me to bring the, the word? Why do you give me these messages, Father? And it's time for something different. We need to think differently. We need to break the chains of what has always been. The way we've always done it and start getting on the path of the way God wants us to do it. The way that it always should have been done. But I want us to think differently because God gets to blame for so much. And people are missing out on so much simply because they don't understand. They have a real lack of knowledge. So we talk about the, our loved ones. We, we pray for our loved ones. We want them to, to get better. We want them, whatever the situation might be, we pray for them. And then when it doesn't happen... We blame God. We need to change the way that we're praying just a little bit. Just to make some little critiques. Little changes. Because we can pray for someone. But they have to want that for themselves as well. If we want someone to come to the Lord, we can't pressure them into doing it. We can't guilt them into doing it. We can't force them into doing it. What we can do is, is pray that their hearts will soften. 
their eyes will be opened, that they'll start to see for themselves through the Holy Spirit that change needs to be made. That they'll see that they need to submit. There are churches up and down the road, up and down everywhere. And many of them are only concerned about their numbers. They're concerned about the number of people in the seats. They're concerned about the number of people that accept the Lord. They're concerned about the number of people that run through the baptism. It's all numbers. But the thing is, numbers don't mean anything unless there's something behind them. Yes, I want to see high numbers too. I want to see seats filled. I want to see the waters of the baptism troubled. But when we do, I want it to be for the right reasons. I want you to be out here in these seats because you want to hear the true word of the Lord. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with the entertainment factor. It's because you love the Lord. The Lord's doing things in your life and you want more of that. You want to see what else He has for us. I want to see people baptized because of the reason that we baptize. So we're showing an outward expression of our love and commitment for the Lord. Not because someone says that you need to. Not because that's what we do. It's because there is a reason behind it. You have preachers that'll, they'll come. They'll, they'll tell you, well, they want, people want to join the church. They join the church to do that. And they're, okay, well, it's time for you to get baptized. I'm never going to tell anyone that they need to get baptized. Because it is not my place. It's not my choice. It is a personal commitment between that person and God. It's also not my place to make you happy. It's not the church's place to make you happy. It's not your family's place. We don't do these things for other people. We do these things for our commitment for God. To make God happy. When Jesus was baptized, He was doing that as an example to us. He was doing that as for His commitment and we've seen that it made God happy. I want to see seats full. I want to see the church grow in each and every way. I want people to join. I want us to come together as a body of believers. And I don't care about your color. I don't care about your creed. I don't care about your past or your wardrobe. What I do care about is your heart and your motivation. Because them are the things that God is concerned about. I stand up here week after week. And I have some other outsources now where I can share with y'all. And it is a privilege to be able to do that. It's a privilege to have this outlet. Because I'm no expert on the Bible by no means. There's some people who tell you how they memorized it and read it cover to cover. Yeah, I've read it, but I am no expert on it. I am learning each and every day. I'm just an average guy. And I have this amazing God. 
And it's by His grace that I'm able to do this because He opens my eyes and He shows me things. And I learn every day. And I'm no good secret keeper. And I'm so amazed with what God shows me that I just want to share it. So I'm glad that I'm able to do that with you. And I get frustrated sometimes. I get frustrated because there's empty seats. Because an empty seat represents a person that is missing out. And sometimes I get frustrated with full seats. Because even though people are present, they are still missing out. Because we're not giving God our all. We're not fully submitting and surrendering and willing to say, okay, God, let's do it your way. Let's see what you got for us. Let's try that. And they're missing out. We have a great, great power. And we're not using it. You remember uh, a guy in the Bible called Noah? I'm not going to read the excerpt, but it's one of the most well-known Bible, uh, Bible stories. So uh, he spent a great deal of time building a, a big old boat. Because God told him that there was going to be a flood because of the wickedness of mankind. Now, I've read the story of Noah many times. And lately I've thought about, what did Noah think? What was his thought process? Because I'm sure that Noah would have rather had a different way. That instead of being this great boat captain and veterinarian to every animal on earth, that he'd rather the people just repented from the wickedness. That the world could went on in a different way. God's way. And this flood didn't have to happen at all. That would have been great. I can also imagine that it was really hard for him knowing that these people, that his extended family, beyond his wife and sons and daughters, that the people that he encountered often, the people of town, the people that he got supplies from, that he traded with, the people that was his neighbors, that he knew, that all these people were going to be destroyed. You know, that's like us when we think about people in our lives that we question whether they have salvation. And I imagine that he warned everyone that the world, was, that they knew it, was coming to an end. That something had to change right now. And I imagine they probably thought that he was like Chicken Little running around saying the sky was falling. I imagine that he was ignored and he was laughed at and he was made fun of and he was dismissed. And then after that boat was completed, the doors stayed open for seven days. I imagine for each and every one of them days, 
he sat there and he hoped that he'd see someone in the horizon walking towards him. That he would see someone coming. That someone would walk through that open doors. That heard his voice and realized what needed to happen. And they could be saved. That they could come with him. And yet, no one came. It wasn't until after the door shut and the rain started falling and the water started bursting out of the ground that people realized that, hey, this guy might have knew what he was talking about. And by then, it was too late. And that's going to be a lot of people. Once it's too late, they're going to realize, hey, some of these people knew what they were talking about. I kind of feel like Noah sometimes. I feel like I got this valuable information that God's given me and that no one's listening. And I hope we can change that. Last few days has been interesting, hasn't it? Have you been to town? It's been interesting. Thousands and thousands of dollars has been spent over the last few days. People buying up generators and gas and water and gas cans and all kind of supplies. There's shelves are bare where the canned goods used to be, where the bread used to be, and where the milk was. I really wonder about that. Why, why milk? What are you guys going to do with that milk? You going to make milk sandwiches? How are you going to keep it good? Why milk? They had a, someone posted up a picture of someone filling up five-gallon buckets with gas. That's a little scary because the same kind of person that's going to be filling up a five-gallon bucket with gas is also going to be using a camp stove with propane for the very first time. And we wonder how people get hurt. People's in a panic, ready to run. But the thing is, when we don't know where the danger is going... We don't know where to run to. And I have to ask, do these little things, does it really make a difference in the big picture? Is having six cases of water that much better than having four? Is having 10 gallons of gas better than five? Is these things going to keep you safe? Is it really going to make a difference? Now, there is one thing that will make a difference. Because I think back to another Bible story. And again, I'll give you a little synopsis. Because the disciples find themselves out on a boat in a storm. Hmm, a storm. And they were in fear. They thought they might die. So they call upon Jesus. And what does he do? He calms the storm. That was the same Jesus we have now, we had then. He was able to calm the storm and save their lives. So maybe we should do things different. Because right now, after all, the tanks are full and the 
and the food is bought up, we think about praying. We think about going to God. But why don't we start with that instead? Why don't we start by going to God? Why don't we go to the one thing that can make a difference? The one thing that can make us safe. Go to the one person that knows where the danger is and where the safety is and ask that person. Could you imagine if we lived in a world where everybody wasn't out for themselves? Where we shared a faith. A faith that is so strong that we could all get on the same page. We could all pray together and things would happen. That we could pray that when something like this storm came up, because God tells us that the weapons will form, but they will not be used against us. So when the weapons come up against us, we can come together and pray. And that prayer is so strong that it's not even an issue. Sounds crazy. But so did a lot of things in the Word of God. A lot of people were called crazy. So, call me what you must. But it can start. We can do that. It could be that way. And it could start right here. In a little church like this that not many people have heard of, that not many people pay attention to, that's not on TV, that's not known worldwide, in a little community like this, because it all starts in your hearts. One heart changes, and that heart influences another, and another, and another. Not by fear, not by judgment, but by living a life that God wants us to. By being an example. When people see your submission, and through that submission, great blessings come. That's the kind of thing that changes minds. That's the kind of thing that makes you say, hey, I want what you have. And when they ask that, you can tell them, well, I have Jesus. And here's how you could have him too. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to be able to get into your word today, Father. We know that there is much change that needs to happen in the world, Father, in the United States, Father, in this community, Father, in this church, Father, and in the hearts of each and every person here. That we all have so much to learn further and so much to change and so much that needs to be done. We know, Father, that it can be. That a few weeks ago we talked about that you do not take on any job that you cannot handle. And we know that you can handle it, Father. We know that you can soften and change each and every one of us. We know that faith can grow and grow and be beyond means, Father, that we've ever seen before. And I ask today, Father, that we can start making these changes slowly, Father, just 
Take off one shackle at a time. Let us make one step at a time, Father. Just give us the strength and the wisdom, Father, to see the direction we need to step into, the strength and the ability to be able to make the first steps. The first step is out of the chains, Father. Let the chains fall off today. And if there's anyone that has a need, whatever it may be, for salvation, Father, they do not know beyond a shadow of a doubt where their eternity lies that they can change that today. If there is a need to belong, to be part of something, to be part of this family, Father, to be part of a church, Father, that that need will not go unmet today, Father. If there is a personal need that we know whatever it is that you can handle it, Father, that they'll quit carrying it around with them today to turn it over to you and have it handled, Father. We thank you for this. We ask everything in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Page 13. Page 13 in your hymnals, please. Please stand. (laughs) 